Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? Welcome to episode number 18 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. I am your host and favorite season ticket holder, Timmy G. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast or on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Spotify, iTunes, etc., etc. That's where you can listen to this podcast. I'm sure you're currently listening to the podcast on one of those fine applications right now. Guess what, guys? The Boston Celtics are 4-1 and one since Kyrie Irving said, fuck Thanksgiving. That's right. Since then, Celtics have won four out of their last five, fourth in offensive rating, ninth in defensive rating, and second overall in net rating. Now, if you remember last year, the Celtics lost their first two games, and then they won on the road in Philadelphia, won a game, and Kyrie Irving said, suck my dick. And then after that, the Celtics won 15 games in a row. So that's really all the Celtics needed this entire time was Kyrie to say something crude and offensive, and then things were good. And look at it, 4-1, four, four out of the last five. Celtics are currently 13-10. and 10. They're third in the Atlantic Division, two and a half games behind the 76ers and six and a half behind the Raptors. Now let me just say this. The Raptors-Warriors game last week, that was pretty cool. That was a great game. That could be a preview of the NBA Finals because the Raptors are playing at another level right now. They're absolutely unbelievable. But... You know, I'm hoping the Raptors are going to be the Raptors and then just blow it in the playoffs like they always do. Now, as far as the Eastern Conference, Celtics are tied for fifth in the East. Technically, they're sixth right now. They're one and a half games behind Detroit for fourth because the first four teams get home court in the first round. Yes, I'm already thinking that far ahead because I'm insane. And right now, with the Pacers being tied for fifth with the Celtics. The Pacers won't have Victor Oladipo for a long time, so they've kind of been slumping a little bit. So this could be big for the Celtics. It really could. If they keep playing this way and the Pacers keep kind of falling a little bit, and then I think in next Saturday we go to Detroit and play the Pistons. So that could be a good game to kind of gain some more, more momentum in the Eastern Conference. Now, as far as our draft pick status currently, 10th, 18th, 22nd, and 29th. Those are currently the picks that the Celtics have in the first round. So obviously we have a lot of stuff to recap this week. And first off, we'll start off with the Celtics blowing out the Pelicans on the road. The starting lineup, new starting lineup, brand new energy. It was crazy. Smart, Horford, Morris, Kyrie Irving, and Jason Tatum. They came out guns blazing. They were fantastic. The offense looked amazing, especially when Al Horford had the ball at the top of the key, which I think we're going to be seeing more and more. Everyone was cutting. Everyone was moving. Al just wasn't doing his standard handoff, setting a pick. The offense just looked different, and it was really, really good. And the best thing is is it looked good against a a decent team. Uh, The Pelicans are kind of beat up with some injuries right now, let's be honest, but the Pelicans are a reasonable team. And sure, you know, the Celtics can blow out the Bulls or the Cavs, but the offense actually looked good against a half-decent team at the time. We'll get into the Timberwolves game in a bit. But the Celtics right away decided to attack Miracic, who 
that was absolutely unbelievable. He shot lights out. I'm pretty sure he didn't miss that game. I mean, he did, but he was absolutely unbelievable. And what helped the Celtics is because Mirotic isn't that good of a defender. They just had Tatum and Morris just kind of running all over the place, making him run around, fight through screens, and it worked out perfectly because Tatum and Morris were fantastic very, very early. And what was great to see from the Celtics and the energy that I just talked about like a minute or two ago is in the first 14 minutes of the game, the Celtics forced nine turnovers and were up 15. And that's Celtics basketball. That is the team that we all know and love from last year or the year before that. The Celtics scored 30-plus points in all of the quarters in that game minus the second quarter, which, again, I don't understand why the Celtics struggled so much in the second quarter. I've talked about it so many times. They actually did a pretty good job against the Timberwolves in the second quarter. They were up three at the end of one, and they were then they were up eight or nine going into halftime. So that's improvement. But I don't understand why the Celtics just suck in the second quarter it absolutely blows my mind now one thing that I was really really impressed with when we're talking about the defense is the Celtics this year have sucked off the high pick and roll they don't know how to defend it it hurt them against Kemba Walker because if you don't switch then Kemba is going to be open shoot a jumper or when they were playing the Mavs if you don't switch then you got a mismatch and they can just lob it up to DeAndre Jordan and he'll dunk it now obviously Anthony Davis is better than Kemba Walker and DeAndre Jordan, like combined, because he's absolutely unbelievable. And the Celtics did a great job making sure Drew Holiday or Etwan Moore couldn't go after Anthony Davis with lobs in the post, anything like that. And I thought that was very, very, very impressive. The thing that did kind of bum me out about that Pelicans game was they were very, the Celtics were super sloppy in the third quarter. They, they, because they were up 18, they just felt like they could kind of take the pedal, I mean, take their foot off the pedal. And that was frustrating. You know, the Pelicans cut it down to 10, and then they cut it down to single digits and stuff. But what I did enjoy is the fact that the Celtics took a punch. They didn't give up. And because they haven't done that this year, you know, they've taken punches and just been like, okay, fine. You know, because they've been up big in a lot of games that they should have won, and they haven't. You know, perfect example, we were just talking about Kemba Walker, was that Hornets game. They were up 12 with what, like, I think it was eight minutes to go, maybe seven or six minutes to go, and they lost that game, and they shouldn't. They took a punch and just fell right over. But this time, they took a punch, they got up, recovered, and still won the basketball game. And the craziest part is, the Celtics actually shot the ball very well, especially from three-point range, live or die by the three. They hit 19 three-pointers for the third time, 19 or more three-pointers for the third time in November. And that has only happened twice before in franchise history. So the Celtics are already doing things that the franchise hasn't done for as long as it's been around three times in one month. Live or die by the three. I, I, I guess that's what's, uh, I guess that's how it's going to be, which is fine, but we just, uh, we just can't count on it, and we've talked about it a million times before. Okay, the second game of the week that Celtics played was against the Cavs Friday night at TD Garden. They blew them out. They won 128-95, to 95. and shout out to the Celtics Instagram that actually posted a picture of a sign of 128 and 95. And if you're from Massachusetts or the New England area listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. This was actually the third largest win in the Brad Stevens era. Think about that. It's pretty crazy to think about. You know, to win by 33 points, it was it was crazy. Now, because Al Horford sat out in this game due to rest, you know, they had three nights off, and then they sat Al Horford again. And the last time they did this last year, Sean Grandy mentioned it. He's the radio guy for the Celtics. The last time that the Celtics just randomly gave Al Horford some rest after two or three days off, he went on an absolute tear. And Al Horford looked great against the Timberwolves. So maybe the Celtics 
are just like a step ahead of everyone and just know something that we don't know. But this was the eighth different starting lineup for this for the Celtics this season, and I guarantee you we'll probably double that before the end of the year. So the starting lineup was Morris, Tatum, Smart, Kyrie, and Aaron Baines, just because, you know, Aaron Baines has to start if Al Horford. You need a big guy in there. Now, the big story before this game was Kyrie basically said Gordon Hayward passes the ball too much, and he wanted it to change. This is what he had to say. We had practice yesterday, and I told him, look, look for your shot more. Get aggressive and get yourself going because you are a great talent in this league, and I don't want you to ever forget that. Now, why did Kyrie say this? And uh, I looked up some stats, and here we go. So Gordon had four assists versus the Pelicans, but he had a potential of 10 assists. So potential assists basically are Gordon passes the ball to an open man or someone, and they take a shot, and they miss it. So if that goes in, Gordon would get an assist. Makes sense, right? So Gordon had the potential of 10 assists in that game, but he only got four. Gordon, this entire season, has had 120 potential assists in 19 games. So if you think about that, that's more than 10 a game. I'm I'm sorry, (laughs) not more than 10 a game. It's like six a game. Sorry, I thought it was 220. Uh, He's averaging 6.3 a game, which is pretty good, which means 30% of his passes actually lead to something productive, which is second highest on the team behind Kyrie, which is at 35% because Kyrie leads the team in assists. So I know a lot of people have been bashing Gordon for maybe not like playing that well, maybe not having that much swag, maybe he shouldn't have started right away, you know, the minute restriction should have been lower, blah, 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 blah. But Gordon Hayward, while he was in there, was actually doing good things. It just didn't show up, you know, like because he wasn't dropping 20 points like a 20, 28, $29 million player should be doing. That's fine, but but he was there. Gordon was there. And then in that Cavs game, he played 23 minutes. He went 6-9 and nine from the field. He had four boards and four assists. And then this is what Kyrie had to say after the game. Look, I know how much we won by and I think that right there is a happy moment because it was all on the flow of the offense. It was Gordon being Gordon. So basically, Kyrie was saying, hey, look, Gordon was being super aggressive, and look how much we won by. Now, you have to come back to reality a little bit, and it was against the Cavs, arguably the worst team in the NBA, I think. You know, record-wise, I think it's the Suns, but the Suns have a lot of great talent on their team where the Cavs do not. I mean, that Sexton kid from Alabama, he's pretty good, but he's all over the place. You know, because he's still a rookie. So give me Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and Josh Jackson over those guys any day of the week. Now, I understand that Kevin Love and J.R. Smith didn't play because the Cavs are trying to get J.R. Smith off the books. Cavs just traded Kyle Korver over to Utah. And because of that, they got Alec Burke in that trade or Alec Burks in that trade. And Alec Burks used to be teammates with Gordon Hayward. And this is what he had to say after the game. When I was in Utah, we played him a couple times or played the Celtics a couple weeks ago and he was a totally different player than he is now those type of injuries they just take time he will get his whole rhythm back he's going to get back to another level back to the all-star that he was so even Alec Burks former teammate then an opponent twice in probably the last like two or three weeks has noticed a jump from Gordon Hayward and that's great to see so just be patient, keep an eye on that, and we'll talk about his great, Gordon Hayward's great game against Timberwolves Wolves in a little bit. Now, what I was really happy about in the Cavs game is, guess what? The Celtics scored more than 30 points in the second quarter. Woohoo! Love that. But let's talk negative. The Celtics only shot 16 free throws. The Celtics over the last few games, minus the Timberwolves games, has shot under 20 free throws. 
and that drives me nuts. The Cavaliers, the Cleveland Cavaliers shot 35 three throws. 21 more. If the Celtics can be more aggressive, stop relying on mid-range jumpers, maybe not living or dying by the three, get to the line, get some freebies, and it'll be fine. The Celtics against the Timberwolves, I believe, went 21 out of 21 or 22 out of 22. They can hit their free throws. They're a good free throw shooting team. Go to the basket. Get aggressive. That's all I ask. I'm not saying get rid of the offense that you got going because clearly it's working since, you know, Kyrie said what he had to say about Thanksgiving. But just get to the free throw line a little bit more. It will be fine. I promise. Now, let's talk positive. Marcus Smart, zero turnovers. Love that. You kidding me? Marcus Smart, man, he's been something else this year. And I'm petrified that it's going to go away. But what we got out of Marcus Smart right now, I mean, a lot of athletes, like once they get their first like big contract, they kind of like dip a bit, you know? This isn't like a contract year for Marcus Smart like it is Marcus Morris because Marcus Morris is playing out of his mind still. And it's so good to see for this team. But Marcus Smart... What he brings to this team is bananas. Off the bench, starting, whatever the case may be. But zero turnovers from Marcus Smart. Zero turnovers from Marcus Smart. I don't care who they're playing. I don't care if they're playing a YMCA team. Zero turnovers from Marcus Smart really just gets the juices flowing for me. They really do. And then let's talk about the Time Lord, Robert Williams. You guys know I am on the Robert Williams bandwagon. And the Celtics, after this game, 7-2. and two. Seven and two. Now that Robert Williams plays every game, take that home and chew it. Isn't it delicious? It's fantastic. Let's go. Robert Williams was great in this game. He he had a weird image. So the Celtics on Instagram posted this very weird image of Robert Williams. Uh, I believe it was Thursday's practice before the Cavs game. And I looked at the picture. I posted it on the at Banner Banter podcast instagram my story not an actual photo and because i couldn't stop looking at it and a couple people messaged me my cousin nathan uh, my buddy phil like we we didn't we couldn't wrap our minds around it because it didn't make any sense his body was to the back of the basket his head was straight on with the rim but his arm was like cocked back to the right so it's like what was he doing while he was just floating in the air it it made no sense to me because a windmill, his arms wouldn't have been like that. A 360, you can't do a 360 from the baseline, can you? I mean, I've never seen a 360 on a baseline, but like he'd have to time that out perfectly and with, with how high he can jump, he'd hit his head on the side of the backboard, you think, right? I don't know, but it's very weird. But ever, even though Robert Williams played .1 second in the Timberwolves game, the Celtics are 7-2 and two when he plays. Think about that, folks. Seven and two when Robert Williams plays. He actually finally missed his first NBA shot. So, in the first uh, what eight, seven or eight games that Robert Williams played, he didn't miss a shot, and he missed two in this game, which is perfectly fine. But he did a great job. Um, he's improving every game. His wingspan is unreal. He had a couple blocks, a couple rebounds, a couple goal tens, but that's just because his arms are so goddamn long. And then I also want to give just a little shout-out to P.J. Dozier, kid from South Carolina. We actually released Walt Lemon Jr., and we'll get into that in a bit, and we called up P.J. Dozier. He had a nice little six minutes of basketball, three of five shooting, seven points, four boards, and a great put-back dunk um, on my side of the court where my season tickets are, and it was it was very, very impressive. And then after this game, so just Monday to Friday, guess who had the best offense 
in the NBA. Boston Celtics. So things are turning around for this team, but I just don't want to get like too high on it. I don't want my energy to be like, oh my God, they're back. Because let's be realistic, they're still 13 and 10, and they're six and a half games back of the Raptors. So here's the crazy thing with how well the Celtics have been playing over the last two games that I just talked about, and we'll get into the Timberwolves game in a second. It's all been without Jalen Brown. And it's very interesting. I bashed Jalen Brown two podcasts ago, and since then, his basically the last two games that Jalen has played, he shot 11 and 9 from the field which is much better than the 17% that he was shooting open shots. So he's he was definitely playing better against the Hawks and part of the Mavs game, you know, before he actually hurt his back. And Jalen did not play in any of the games this week, but the Celtics went 3-0 and this week. So is Jalen okay with that? What's going through Brad's mind? What's going through Danny's mind? Is a third-year stud or supposed stud like Jalen Brown not being on this team better for the Celtics, just like the Celtics played pretty well last year without Gordon Hayward. It's it's an interesting concept. So if you're Brad Stevens and Jalen comes back, because now the Celtics don't play again until Thursday against the Knicks, it's, it's very interesting. So do you start Jalen Brown and take Marcus Morris away? Do you start Jalen Brown and take Marcus Smart away? Which one of the Marcuses are you taking away? Or do you want Terry, Jalen, Gordon, Tice, and a starter out on the floor together? I, I don't know what to do. I, I really don't. And you guys, have, you guys know that I have always said that I think Jalen Brown is mentally one of the smartest guys on this team. Maybe not like in, in your head mental, but like books-wise. Excuse me, burped again. Oh, burped again. But Jalen, like, book smart-wise is unbelievable. But, like, mentally when he's out on the court, he's probably not the brightest because I feel like he kind of, like, thinks too much, which is, you know, a gift and a curse. But he he is saying the right things. You know, he he's saying, you know, whatever it is that we can make work now, I'm totally happy with that. Winning answers everybody's questions. And... Do you think that Marcus Morris and Gordon Hayward, veterans in this league, guys who are getting paid a good chunk of money, are actually setting a good example for this team for accepting the roles that they were in? I mean, Gordon Hayward went from a starter to now being coming off the bench. Whether he was hurt, his minute restrictions, whatever you want to do, Gordon, Gordon accepted a change as a max player contract-wise and was okay with it. So does Jalen accept that? Just like Marcus Morris did as well. I mean... Guys, let's be honest. I mean, the first two weeks of the season, the only person that was showing up for the Celtics was Marcus Morris, and every once in a while, Marcus Smart. So can Jalen accept that role? Because Jalen is always, basically, Jalen's been a starter for his entire career. So can he kind of, quote-unquote, take a step back and be okay with that role? It's very interesting. And it will be, it will be very, I'm really intrigued to see what Brad does against the Knicks this week. I really am. I think it could go... One of two ways, Jalen could come off the bench and play really well, or Jalen could be in his own mind, come off the bench and suck, or Jalen could put a lot of pressure on himself saying, hey, now that I'm in the starting lineup, I got to keep up the same type of mentality that Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart has brought to the starting lineup. So I don't know, but it's a good conversation to have. Don't you think that, hey, a third year guy that everyone has high hopes for and thinks his ceiling is, you know, he hasn't hit his ceiling yet. I think it's a good position to be in, but at the same time, 
I'm glad I'm not Brad Stevens trying to decide what to do. Now, speaking of things not to do, Kendrick Perkins. Uh, There's been some rumors going around that Kendrick Perkins has called the Celtics, seeing if they'd be willing to sign him to a deal. Because, you know, Kyrie was talking about a few weeks ago that the Celtics need like a 14 or 15 year veteran, you know, in the locker room to really help like what's going on when they're in a bad spot. And whether the Celtics have won four out of their last five or, you know, won only one out of their last four, you don't sign Kendrick Perkins. That's a panic button move. Kendrick Perkins does not belong in this team. If Kendrick Perkins wants to wear a suit with his extremely nice, tight, shave that he always has his barber is really good it literally looks like it's like glued onto his face put him in the second row behind the bench as a coach sign him that way have him jack up the guys in the locker room but i don't i don't need to see kendrick perkins in celtics warm-up lines i don't i love perk don't get me wrong there's just no need for him there's no need for him there's no need to pay money for kendrick perkins to sit there and pump his fist with his extremely long and strong arms just Put him behind Brad Stevens and have him, you know, help the young guys, you know, on the mental side of the game and maybe give, you know, Aaron Baines or Al Horford some pointers on defense because obviously Perkins was very good defensively. And that's it. No need to put him in a jersey. Nope. Sorry. Walt Lemon Jr. He had a two-way contract with the Celtics. They cut him last week. Lemon was averaging 22.6 assists and was shooting 49% from the field for the main Red Claws. So he would, Walt Lemon Jr. played late for the Celtics a couple games to end the season last year, you know, when they were basically trying to wrestle all the guys. And he was, he was pretty good. But the Celtics just don't need another guard right now, which is why they called up P.J. Dozier, which is who's a little bit bigger, more of a forward than a guard. So... Best of luck to Walt Lemon Jr. He he had a hell of a run here. Okay, one thing that we really have to talk about is I hope a lot of you saw the Kyrie Irving video where he was basically doing the smooth criminal dance where he was like leaning forward, leaning to the left, and it literally looked like Michael Jackson when Smooth Criminal came out in the mid to late 80s. Don't know how he did it. Watched it a bunch. It wasn't as confusing as the Robert Williams pitcher dunk, in my opinion. But how did he do it? How do you have that much balance? Like, if I go buy a pair of the new Kyrie 5s, am I going to be able to balance like that? Because I'm in. That's all cool. I'll pay the $130. I'll buy those sneakers if I can have that type of balance. Are you kidding me? What's good? Yeah. Sign me up. So, speaking of Michael Jackson, I needed to find a way to somehow... Because you guys... What I've been doing over the last couple weeks is... You guys have noticed I've been trying to bring everything together with my Banner Banter investigation. Whether it was Dana Barrows and his three-point... Kyrie and his dad with the commercial. So I was really trying to find a way to bring Michael Jackson into a banner banter investigation. And I looked up, let's just start off with the name Billie Jean, you know, because that was on the the bad album as well, just like Smooth Criminal. And the Celtics have six or seven guys by the name of Billy, you know, Billy Sharman, Bill Russell, Billy Walker. So I really couldn't just pick one, you know, I'm not going to do a banner banter investigation about Bill Russell, arguably one of the greatest basketball players of all time, and Bill Sharman, I bet you half of those guys, don't you don't even know who he is. Billy Walker, you'd have to be like a diehard Celtics fan to find out. So I just, I just felt like that that really wasn't the best way to go. So then I looked up who directed that smooth criminal video that helped Michael Jackson dance that way, and his first name was Colin. And there has never been a Celtics player with the name of Colin. 
that I could see. And then I looked up who the choreographer was for the Smooth Criminal video, and his name was Jeffrey. But there's only been one Jeffrey to play for the Boston Celtics, and that's Jeff Green, and he currently plays right now, and we're not doing current plays for the Banner Banter investigation. So I decided to pick a member of the 1987 Celtics team, which is when Smooth Criminal came out, and I decided to go with Jim Paxson. Jim Paxson played the most minutes out of anyone on the 1987-1988 Boston Celtics team, not named Danny Ainge, Dennis Johnson, Kevin McHale, Larry Bird, and Robert Parrish. The Celtics that season went 57-25 and and lost to the Detroit Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals. And Jim Paxson played in the NBA for 11 years, and he, he was pretty good. Eight and a half with the Celt- uh, with the Blazers and two and a half with the Celtics. He was drafted 12th overall in the 1979 after going to Dayton. And then he was traded to the Celtics in the 1987-1988 season early on. He was also the former general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers, where he drafted LeBron James. That's right. Jim Paxson drafted LeBron James. What a smart man he is, huh? Isn't he smart? I, I think he's smart. I, I, I think that was a, a good decision. In those six seasons, the Cavs went 185 and 307. 185 and 307 in those six seasons. His brother, John Paxson, played with Michael Jordan on the Bulls, and he is currently the general manager of the Chicago Bulls. So when you think about Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, both initials are NJ, boom. Circle of Life, Banner Banter Podcast. Oh my God, I just realized. I didn't make room for the music. That's the first time I've done that. I was just like in a flow. So maybe I'll just play the music anyways and then just go right in the Celtic stud and dud of the week. Yeah, I'm going to do that. So here comes two bits full of music. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special banner banter investigation. Celtics unit report. It is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward is your stud this week. His performance in the... Cavs game and the Timberwolves game really stood out to me. So he gets the stud and dud of the week or the stud of the week. And the dud of the week is Terry Rozier. I don't know what's going on with him. I know he's not getting the same amount of opportunity that he did when while he was playing for the Celtics when Kyrie wasn't there. But I don't know what has happened to his defense. But like I know that Derrick Rose is back to a degree. But he couldn't stand in front of Trey Burke. He couldn't stand in front of um, J.J. Barea. He couldn't stand in front of really anyone that he's been guarding. And I just want Terry Rozier to come back to earth, realize that he's a reasonable NBA player, but he's not some god that we unfortunately turn, you know, tried to turn him into during the playoffs. And I just want Terry to come back and play his game for what he's known for. Okay, So Terry, please come back. Gordon is your stud. Terry is your dud this week. And let's just get right into the Timberwolves game. The Timberwolves game was great. The Timberwolves were going into this game winning 
seven out of their last 10 games, especially since the Jimmy Butler deal. They've been looking really good. They're finally playing like the team that they were last year when they made the playoffs. And this was actually the Celtics' 14th road game of the season, which is second most in the NBA, tied with the Knicks. And the team with the most, Utah Jazz. They already have 15. So now the Celtics have, I believe, I think eight, no, seven or eight wins on the road, which is tied for the top five or six most road wins in the NBA. The Raptors are the best at that. So the Celtics are playing pretty good on the road. I mean, they're seven and seven now so on the road. So it's 500, but it's better than what they were doing in the playoffs. Remember, they couldn't win a road game to, you know, their life depended on it. And that was very frustrating to watch. But if the Celtics can be good on the road, this team has a legitimate shot of going really, really far in the playoffs, no matter how bad they're playing right now. Or how, you know, how bad they played to start the season and are slowly improving. But the great part is, when the month of December ends, they'll play 20 road games. And then, by the end of January, they'll have 24 road games and 27 home games. So, hashtag Survive December. Remember, Celtics have 11 or 12 home games in January and only 4 road games. January is going to be super duper important for this team. So, survive December. And and they got this. So, T-Wolves game. Holy crap, what a night for Gordon Hayward. Are you kidding me? 30 points. 10 of 10 from the line. First Celtics player this season to go to the free throw line more than 10 times in one game. Or 10 or more times in one game. Congratulations to you, Gordon Hayward. Bravo. I... I was so happy for Gordon Hayward after this. He really needed this. I think the team needed it. You saw the team after the game. They, while he was doing his interview with the terrible Kyle Draper, everyone came and like poured you know water and Gatorade over his head, and you could just see how happy he was. And you know, Gordon's been through hell and back, and I'm just really, really happy for him. Thirty points, nine boards, eight assists. The dude almost got a triple double. So really happy for him. I really think this is what the team needed. And now you can start the debate. Should Gordon Hayward come back into the starting lineup? I don't know. I don't. I mean, obviously, four out of the last five with this new starting lineup seems to be working. So you got to go with what's working. And then if it kind of fails again, then maybe you bring Gordon back. But right now, Gordon Hayward is playing his best basketball that he has played since he's been a member of the Celtics. I know that's not saying a lot, but I mean, 30 points. Nine assists, I mean, nine boards, eight assists, 10 of 10 from the line. He was fantastic. I was so happy for him, and he was so aggressive. He still needs to take it to, like, another level athletically, and Scal mentioned that at the the end of the game when he was talking to Mike Gorman. He's doing great, but he's just really not there yet, like, hop-wise. Like, he just doesn't have that pop to go up and go get the ball and dunk it. With that being said, Brad keeps running these backdoor alley-oop cuts to Gordon Hayward, basically the same exact play where he destroyed his ankle last year. And every single time that happens, my heart skips 7 to 22 beats minimum when that happens. Like, everything's in slow motion. It's so scary. Like, I'm petrified every single time. But at the same time, if Gordon does complete one of those, I am probably going to scream like a little girl due to excitement and just go absolutely crazy. So congratulations to Gordon Hayward on a great, great, great game. And hopefully this confidence can then take him to that next level because he's just growing piece by piece. 
and I'm really happy for him. One of the great things that I really did enjoy about this game was Kyrie's passing was unreal in this game. And it's actually been really good over the last couple weeks. Like, I know there are some times where Kyrie really tries and go out and do too much. And it's annoying sometimes. And he forces a bad pass. But Kyrie has been doing a great job. Like, there was a play in the Cavs game where dribble, 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 like, crossover behind the back, inside out, and then just picked a pocket right to Aaron Baines for a dunk. It was so sick. But... There are some times where you're like, oh, Kyrie, why'd you do that? And you waited too long. But he has been great. He's been finding the open guys. I think Marcus Morris has benefited benefited from it the most, and I hope it continues. I think Kyrie and Marcus Morris are on the same page, and I think it works out very, very well for the Celtics. The Celtics, what I thought was really, really good, they went on an 18-7 to run at one point in this game, and the ball movement was unbelievable. You know, there are times where the Celtics, like, they'll make the extra pass. Like, Kyrie will dribble. He'll kick it over to the corner to Tatum. Tatum will throw it over to Jalen. Jalen will throw it over to Horford. Horford should shoot it, but then he throws it back into the corner to Marcus Smart, and Marcus Smart jacks up a three and misses it. This time, it was, like, stopping at Al Horford or stopping at Jalen Brown, and I know he didn't play, but just an example. And they would shoot it, so they weren't – they were making – the extra pass, but not the extra, extra pass, if you will. And that was great. The defense was really good, too. You know, Carl Anthony Towns is no joke. And, yeah, Andrew Wiggins, pretty good. Sarich, he destroyed us in the playoffs. You know, he was part of the Jimmy Butler deal. He came over from the 76ers. And Derrick Rose, I got to say something about Derrick Rose. Even though it was annoying watching him kind of make Terry Rozier like his little bitch in plain English, Seeing Derrick Rose come back, it was is such a great story. You know, this kid won. He literally has a rule made about him. He won MV, NBA MVP. He had. He's had. I can't talk right now. He has had so many injury issues. So many people bashing him. You know, probably even worse than like Carmelo or Dwight Howard. And this dude has come back. He scored 50 points this year. He scored over 20 points in the T-Wolves Celtics game the other night. I'm really happy to see Derrick Rose come back, just not against the Celtics. That was kind of annoying at times, but I'm just really happy for Derrick Rose. But the defense was really good, especially in the second quarter when Daniel Tice came in. Daniel Tice had a great stint. So Taj Gibson, I've always been a fan of Taj Gibson. I know he's not like an ideal NBA player, but you know he just gets the little things done. And Taj Gibson was controlled by Daniel Tice because Taj Gibson isn't a big guy. I'm trying to say this the right way. Like He's not an athletic big, but he can move pretty quickly for his size. And Aaron, he's like too quick for Aaron Baines, but you couldn't put Aaron Baines on Carl Anthony Towns. So basically, Tice is obviously a little quicker than Baines. And Brad said, all right, Tice, go out there. And he did a great, great job. He didn't allow too many second chances with Taj Gibson, which is very important because Taj Gibson and Carl Anthony Towns are great offensive rebounders. And I was just really, really impressed with Daniel Tice's play in that game. Marcus Smart had one of the craziest passes I've ever seen. So, of course, Marcus Smart was somehow on the ground, got a ball, (laughs) threw it literally behind his head from, I would say, the the three-point line to the other three-point line to Tatum. Tatum threw it over to Kyrie. Kyrie... Threw it up for a lob. Tatum dunked it. It was an unbelievable play. It was the most Marcus Smart play I have ever seen. And I 
I'm just really happy with this T-Wolves win. I know the T-Wolves haven't beat a lot of teams, but they have won seven out of the last ten. It was the second night of a back-to-back. And to go from Boston to Minnesota after playing a game, Brad mentioned it, that's a lot, you know, because sometimes these back-to-backs, they might just have to fly to Indiana, or they might have to fly to, you know, Brooklyn or New York or D.C. Nothing, like, too crazy. But going to Minnesota, different time zone, it was a little bit different, a little tough for this team, and I'm just really Really, really, really happy that they could pull out this win. And now they have four days off. They got four days off until their next game. And let's talk about the upcoming week for the Boston Celtics. First off, right away, a little bit of an announcement here. I'm going to be in Miami this upcoming weekend. So the Banner Banter Podcast episode 19 will not be out until Tuesday or Wednesday of next week because I don't get back until Miami on Monday. So I'll probably record Tuesday, post it up on Wednesday. So the next three games for the Boston Celtics, Thursday night, TNT, 8 o'clock, New York Knicks are back in town. little revenge game. Trey Burke should not score more than 20 points. If Tim Hardaway Jr. wants to score more than 20 points, that's fine. Cantor, that's fine. Those guys are legit. But Trey Burke cannot score more than 20 points. I fully ex- expect the Celtics to win that game. Again, I'm not going to make any predictions on how the Celtics are going to do over the next three games, but I'm expecting them to win. Then on Saturday night, the Celtics have, yes, their 15th road game of the season. They go play the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls, we beat them earlier by a lot. Hopefully we can do the same. And then on Monday, at home, New Orleans Pelicans, Anthony Davis is in in town. If you want to go to the game, I'm actually selling my tickets on Ticketmaster Resale, the only way that you should buy Celtics tickets through Ticketmaster. Buy, buy my tickets. They're reasonably priced. Anthony Davis is in town. It's, it's a big ticket, but you, you guys should go. So the Celtics have three games this within the next week or so, and two of the teams they've already beaten and one of the teams they should have beaten, even though the Knicks over the weekend did have a nice win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks are a very good basketball team, number two in the East right now. So, yeah, that's that. Um, I'm trying to think what else I got to talk about on the podcast this week. I think that's it. So that will wrap up episode number 18. Excuse me. Burped again. Holy crap. Of the Banner Banter podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share with your family, friends, coworkers, anyone that you see. Let them know. Um, I know it's cold outside, but even if you are listening to it on your ride to work and you're at a stoplight, maybe turn turn down your windows a little bit. Let them blow out. Let the world hear it. But that's all. Facebook, Instagram, Banner Banter Podcast, Twitter Machine, Banner Banter 18, Podbean, Spitcher, Bitcher, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, a bunch of other different podcast applications. Please go and listen. Thank you guys so much, and we'll talk to you next week when I get back from Miami. Bye-bye. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.